0: She slayers and welcome to another episode of She Slays Today Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Lauren Brunslick. And if this is the first time you are listening to the podcast, uh, welcome. I'm glad you're here. And if you liked the episode, feel free to uh especially if you're listening on Apple, give it, give it a thumbs up, give it five stars or four if you're like only mildly blown away. Um, although I will say I get I will probably get super offended because I base my entire existence on on validation and approval from other people, but it's fine. No, it's totally fine. If you want to give it four, that's cool. (laughs) Kidding. You just keep your opinion to yourself if it's not five. Or if you like the episode, um, I encourage, and you already have rated the podcast, just screenshot it and share it on Instagram and tag me. I'd love that. i love it. It helps other Kairos find the podcast. Okay, so let's see what's on my mind today. I for, There's this trend. There's lots of trends going around right now. Oh, actually, I just left Goodwill. And one of the trends going around on Instagram, have you seen the paint the ghosts on like old, like the uh, paintings of, you know, just a field or something like that. And then like, they paint ghosts on it is so cute. They didn't have anything at Goodwill that I felt inspired to do that on, but I did look. Uh, that wasn't the trend I was going to talk about, though. I was going to talk about how I've seen, I must follow a lot of bomb ass women who, one of their bragging points right now is that they retired their husband. Like that. I don't know. We might follow different people. It's fine. But I. Okay, I'm gonna say I laugh when I see it, but not at them. So just hear me out. I giggle to myself and want to like send them to Kirby. Because poor Kirby, there's no way in hell, that man is getting retired early. I like, because he's too multi talented. Like, I'm not gonna, so like, I'm thinking about these women, okay? I think Jenna Kutcher was one of them who like started, she probably started the trend. Like, I retired my husband at 32. And I'm like, well, Drew, that's Jenna's husband, is awfully hot, but he must not be that talented because my husband edits my podcast. Well, okay, he doesn't, I think he's technically producing. I don't know what he does for the podcast anymore because we also pay someone else to edit, but he's very involved. And he also runs like, COO and CFO of my clinic and he also is helped me create a course and uh renovate an Airbnb and I've got like six other ideas and I I can guarantee you every idea I have will need Kirby (laughs) it just will because I'm not that talented I'm very I'm a visionary visionary when it comes to like, all the other skills that are necessary to execute nonprofits and additional clinics and courses. And yeah, I mean, a lot of stuff. I mean, I can make a bomb ass ad. But like, I don't know how to put it out there. So this is um, just a sad letter to my husband saying, you're never gonna get to retire early. You don't get to retire until I stop working. And uh, that. Probably will never happen. Poor dude. Poor dude. So we'll just wait for the next trend. I the next trend is hopefully I start seventeen businesses uh, that require my husband. I just launch planes and then he has to like keep them flying. So uh, oh, I've had a couple messages from people asking about an update from the parasite cleanse because apparently I left y'all hanging and I didn't mean to. Um, I just uh, I don't know. So yes, I okay, so I did a month. And I noticed when I got off it, a lot more bloating, like I wouldn't have considered myself a bloaty person before. But I definitely noticed more bloating. Afterwards, I also noticed I started waking up in the middle of the night again, to pee. And um, I didn't realize how much better sleep I was getting while I was doing it. Let's see. Are there other things? I don't know, like, I would say in general, my stomach aches have been less. So, like, that was kind of the main reason that I did it was because I was getting pretty like debilitating, uh, temporary stomach aches that would last for a couple minutes. I've tried all sorts of stuff. Um, and I was like, well, maybe it's just a parasite, and I'll poop a big parasite out and I won't have stomach aches anymore. So that didn't happen. Like, but I will say I'm getting less and they're less, well, less severe in general. The other thing is, is I need to do a second month. So because I'm 36, and I've never done a parasite cleanse, I kind of anticipated from listening to the episode that I was going to need a second month. And then I was also because I have basements, I live in Wisconsin, we have basements. And um, I also anticipated I was after the second month going to have to do the mold cleanse. So it's kind of one of those, like, it's like a three month process. So I don't know, like, I'm not, gonna say that it changed my life but it also shouldn't have because I'm kind of one month in and I wasn't super symptomatic I feel like a lot of people who would have big hardcore changes might be more symptomatic than me and I don't know so yes and like do I recommend it absolutely I really liked hers because I've talked to other people who've done parasite cleanses and they were like really intense and uh, the Mrs. Rogers hood one adds like tinctures and stuff. So it's softer on your body, which it might be why I need a second month and mold. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but yeah, pretty confident, pretty confident stuff came out. That's all the information you're getting there. I'm not going to overshare in that. But no, I never saw like a four to five inch earthworm or anything like, whoa, there's a, nothing like super satisfying, but just like kind of mentally like, mm-hmm, yeah, Mm-hmm. okay, okay. So today's guest, uh, I was laughing with Elise Rigney, because we were talking on the phone. um, And I was telling her like, Oh, I just recorded with Amy Spolstra. Well, I actually said Spolestra. And I was like, I'd never met her before or like didn't know who she was. And she's like, Lauren, do you live under a rock? How have you never heard of Amy Spolstra before? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know how I just keep going through this world meeting people for the first time and they're like out there kicking ass and taking names and I'm just like, oh, hi, I'm Lauren. Who are you? What do you do? Uh, So it was a delight. I had her on. I really didn't know much about her and I learned a lot in this episode. Seems like a real cool chick. Definitely like is friends with all my friends. So I can't wait to meet her in real life. Oh, another funny, just little side story about my conversation with Elise. So Elise lives in a bigger town, Fort Collins. I don't know if you know this, but I live in Rice Lake, Wisconsin, tiny town, 8,000. So she told me on the phone that she, she had known that I was having a bad day like a week prior and she wanted to send me something on DoorDash. And I don't know, apparently in bigger towns, you can send like cool stuff on DoorDash. Like I think she was looking to send me like a bottle of champagne or something like that. Well, in my town, so as soon as she said, I wanted to send you something on DoorDash, I just started laughing. And I'm like, uh, what were your options? Arby's, curly fries, quick trip cheese curds, like Taco John's. And she's like, yeah, pretty much. I like found a Mexican restaurant and I was gonna send you queso. Um, but then I was just like, that's weird. And so she didn't send anything, but like, I'm just imagining just getting a knock on the door and it's DoorDash and the Mexican restaurant that you can order from on DoorDash, the way they deliver queso is in a giant white styrofoam like drink cup with like a drink cap on it. So I just picture like the doorbell ringing and going to my door and somebody, the DoorDash person just handing it to me because you know, they hate their life. And me looking at this giant cup of queso and being so damn confused. Like, and then seeing a message from Elise being like, I hope this makes your day. And me just being like, what the hell is going on? Why did she send me case So it was more of one of those, uh, the the thought was all that all that matters there. Oh, the the joys of living in a small town. But like you can send, you can send cool stuff in big towns on DoorDash when your friend's having a bad day. Like, who knew? Who knew? Okay. So Amy Spolstra, she teaches chiropractors, educators, and other medical professionals around the country and internationally about neurodeflective disorders. I've never heard it called neurodeflective. I've heard of like non-neurotypical. I didn't ask what neurodeflective is because I just am reading her bio now and I don't know what that is. Neurodeflective. deflective hmm. anyways, and the focus approach to comprehensive patient care for children and adults with behavioral learning, socialization, and developmental challenges. She's a mom, wife, clinic owner, and founder of the brain blossom program and focus Academy for continued education for certified focus practitioners and brain blossom educational. She's published research under the focus Academy on and plan for big things in this realm. And she's fantastic. So let's pray and then uh, we can all meet Amy Spolstra for the first time or if you don't live under a rock, you'll be like, hey Amy, nice to see you again. I totally know who you are because I'm not an idiot like Lauren. All right, take a breath in, connect with something, connect with your heart, connect with your breath, try and take this second just to ground. If you can, close your eyes for just 10 seconds. That's all I'm asking you. Can you just like take a breath with me? If you're driving, please don't close your eyes. That's dangerous, yo. Relax the tension from your face. Hi, friend. I hope you know that you are doing such great things. And check in with what's stressing you out today. Are you in fight or flight yourself? So often, I heard this this thing the other day that talked about so often what's stressing us out is that our timeline is wrong. And we just have this short timeline. The house needs to be cleaned today. I need to respond to that email now. That stressful thing at work needs to be taken care of and handled in this moment. And we're just seeking for answers and solutions to all, you know, goals to be hit. We're frustrated that our numbers aren't where they're at because we set a timeline for 2023. By January 1st of 2024, I'm going to be here. I'm going to have lost that weight. I'm going to have done this thing. We're going to have built the house. We're going to have started the podcast, whatever your goals are. And a lot of times our stress comes from our expectations not being met and their expectations that we put on ourselves, and So often, the the goal is good. The expectation is great, but maybe it's just your timeline. So I ask you to think about whatever's driving you into a sympathetic tone today, um, a fight or flight to check in. And if you just give yourself a little more bandwidth in that time, if instead of hitting that revenue number by the end of 2023, you said, I have until the end of 2025 to hit it. Would you just feel less stress in this moment? And are your actions going to change? Like, no, you're going to do your best to hit whatever goals you've set for yourself. But does it, does it feel better in your body, holding that goal without feeling like you're disappointing yourself because you're hitting, you're not hitting some completely pointless date? on a calendar that you set as your version of success. All right, if you have your eyes closed that entire time, sorry, I told you 10 seconds, but you should know by now I get on too many tangents. I want you to know I love you. I want you to be kinder to yourself today. Just kinder to yourself for the next 15 minutes. Can you just hold on to keeping negative thoughts out for the next 15 minutes about yourself? An hour, hey, that'd be great. The entire day, I would love that. But just talk to yourself like you would your own kiddo, or your best friend, or like I would talk to you. So, in your name, we pray, Amen. I love you. And without further ado, here is my episode with Dr. Amy Spolstra. Enjoy.
1: All right. So, what? Where are you? Are you in? So, I my practice is in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Okay. And, um, that's like way at the top of Idaho, like close to Canada and, um, so I'm from Michigan, right? So we use our hand yes. originally. I'm from well, Michigan. Wisconsin does too.
0: Oh, yeah. well, we just flip it. And then we really exaggerate the thumb for uh, Door County.
1: It's
0: uh, not as good okay. as Michigan, but. Okay.
1: But listen, here's the deal being a Michigander now living in Idaho for 16 years. I'm like, well, this is Idaho, right? <laughs> Like, so I'm like this, so we're like up here, like this. What is where it. I live?
0: <laughs> so um, like I'm everything sure I can don't work even, hand. I don't, I don't know that I would ace a geography test of really where Michigan or not. I know where Michigan is, of you where Idaho Michigan, is. Yeah. But like you said, like it's right by Canada. Yeah. My brain was like, huh, I didn't, I
1: guess I yeah. don't know where I is. You know what? You are not alone. Um, In fact, I I can admit that before I moved here, I didn't really know much about Idaho either. So it's like, we're next to Washington and Montana. We're like sandwiched there, right? And we're way, it's the Pacific Northwest. And so um, people always think about, like they get confused with Iowa and they think like, oh, potatoes. But I'm in North Idaho and North Idaho is in the mountains. And it's like being from Michigan, my husband and I were like, we want lakes. Like where's the, where are the lakes? And we first visited Boise, which is in southern Idaho, which is where the potato farms are. And okay, so there it, are Idaho potatoes, yes. Yeah, but not where we're from. So we're like eight hours like from, from Boise. And so we're in Port so it's way up at the top. So it's like almost to Canada and like 90 miles. And then we actually live, so we have a practice for 16 years in Port Idaho. And then last year we moved even further north um, to Sandpoint, Idaho, which is a little ski town about an hour, um, north. And we're opening a satellite clinic there. And we just, we, our daughter goes to a Waldorf school there. We just love it there. So,
0: so where's the nearest Cairo school for you? Um, where you are
1: Cairo school would be Portland, Western States, which I went to Sherman. So, okay. uh, Super different. Yeah. Um, so, well, don't
0: judge me. I went to Northwestern, but I chose okay. it because of geography. I yeah. my I was so green going into chiropractic school that I had no concept that where you went mattered.
1: I was just like, okay, well, there's one no there. Two. Yeah, I'm gonna go there. I almost did that too. I actually had no idea either. And I learned about chiropractic and I was a freshman in college. I was in, I was this is weird story. I was at the university of Hawaii for my first year of college. I just was like, I'm out of here. And, um, I met my lifelong friends there, which was amazing. So I was definitely supposed to be there, but the one of the, one of my best friends who's still one of my best friends today, like 22 years later, um, her dad worked for CJ Mertz of weightless, weightless practice, waiting list practice in okay. Austin which was like a big management group back then still is but it was like really big back then like kind of the old school heyday like management chiropractic Mm and he was the audio visual guy for the seminars and he was we were i was visiting them in austin texas that freshman year of college like in between or whatever and he said to our group of friends he said if i could do anything if i could start over and do anything i'd be a chiropractor and i was like what And I was going, like, thought I was going to go to law school and do business. And um, I grew up in a neurooptometry family. So I like, which my dad was like a real leader in that, in that field. And so I grew up with like learning neurology and, and about behavioral learning, socialization challenges and abnormal eye movements in the brain from a really, really young age. And I was like, I want nothing to do with that. I don't want anything with that. And so I'm going to, I'm going to be a lawyer. And so I hear this, this this dad of my friend says, I'm going to, I'm going to be a chiropractor. I would be a chiropractor. And I was like, I don't understand like back pain. Like why? And he was like, no. And he told us about innate intelligence. And I was like, what? That's amazing. Like that makes sense to me. That fits my view of the world and what I knew about, you know, from neurooptometry." And I was like, I need to do that. And so I changed everything, but I still didn't know that that was not what all chiropractic was. And so I was going to go to Western States because it was in Portland and I wanted to live in the Pacific Northwest. Mm -hmm. And until I met a chiropractor who I became a CA for, um, and she was like, you're not, um, going to Western States. You're going to life, and I life in this a way podcast. Definitely not brought to you by Western States or Northwestern <laughs> Health
0: Sciences University.
1: I mean, I'm kind of gathering, I was waiting <laughs> for
0: a cease and desist from my alma mater. Just being like, girl, like, I mean, can you stop? Be nice. <laughs> <can> be nice. <laughs> they asked me to come back and like speak at their career services day, and they're like, we have a lot of students who like love your podcast, and I'm just like. Do you listen to the podcast? Have you to- Don't listen to
1: it. <laughs> Don't listen to it. <laughs> it's great. I love it.
0: So how yeah. do you find, a how do you, do you have an easy time bringing in associates? Cause like, I feel like how you're describing Idaho sounds lovely, but you're yeah. not
1: Nashville and you're not Denver. So nobody wants to go to you. Right. That's true. Um, It's interesting, particularly in the last since the pandemic, um, North Idaho has started to become discovered because it's, it's such a, I mean, I'm like, oh, do I want to say too much? It's such a beautiful place and it's not, you know, we don't have a huge population, but we have enough and we're close to Spokane. That's our airport, Spokane, Washington. And it's just so beautiful. And we, and we were very very free and very open and very, you know, and so a lot, we've had a huge growth here um, in the last few years. It's been growing anyways, but it's, we've had a big, big, big surge in population. And so more people are interested. However, yes, it does usually take when looking like most people are not like, Oh, I want to go to quarterly Idaho, but with our work in the focus Academy, thankfully I'm really appreciative of how much, interest and growth we've had and just how many people, students and doctors are so excited about our work that I have a lot of people wanting to work in our practice now for the practice. And then they learn about the location, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: That makes sense. And how big is Coeur d'Alene?
1: So Coeur um, is probably over, it's probably between 80, 90,000 people like in Coeur like proper. Mm-hmm. And I could be, it, it's probably, it might be more than that just with, it's hard to know with the growth in the last you know, yeah. year or two years. But when I moved here, just to give you perspective in the Coeur d'Alene, like Coeur d'Alene, Coeur d'Alene it was 30,000. Oh, wow. And that but- was in yeah, 2000, the be- very beginning of 2008. And so, yeah, it's grown a lot it's grown a lot. So
0: you said you've been in practice 16 years. Um, and I'm assuming always on this area of expertise, right. Behavior yeah. in children, neurology, pediatrics. Have you found like, how do you, how have you shaped your message from like a marketing perspective mm-hmm. in like, cause I feel like in the beginning, well, both of us started, so I'm in my 13th year, Facebook mm-hmm. existed, which, mm-hmm. you know, it didn't, it didn't really, I mean, I was going to say like, not to kind of call you out, but like, it kind of really yeah. didn't for no, you, no, no, didn't. you it's know, so I'm three funny. years younger it. than you in practice, <laughs> but like, You're I'm, young. <laughs> yeah. but I mean, I'm the age where like, I was at the U of M for my freshman year and Facebook for all the Gen Z listening. Facebook started only at certain colleges. And mm-hmm. so like, it was a really big deal because the U of M was one of the colleges that they were like trying it out on. So then like yes. starting a practice seven years later, it was like, yeah, I'll, I'll have a Facebook page for sure. But like, it was not like, okay, step one marketing, Facebook, but like, and yes. um yeah. so how have you, how do you like continue to reach people with this message? Like what have you had to alter your marketing or things like that? Yeah.
1: First of all, that is so funny and I um I was at Michigan State, so my second year and then the rest of my undergrad I went to Michigan State and that was one of the campuses that started Facebook as well, or started integrating it because I had a Facebook account there, and I was like, "What is this? Even? I don't. I guess I'll do it. I don't really. Know I guess what I'll
0: take the yeah. pictures. How do I get the pictures from my? What were they called? Because it was <laughs> you weren't taking pictures on your phone. No, but, no. Um, it was the digital cameras with yeah, the like card, the SD yeah, card. Yeah, yeah. And, and so you and had like to that. take it out, and then like you'd <laughs> upload like forty photos to <laughs> on Sunday from like
1: this is and, us going yeah. and then like my face oh my gosh it's great this is great and all of the um younger doctors out there are going to be like who are these ladies um but you know what i love this topic i talk about it all the time when i'm mentoring docs or with our associate docs and i just was talking to Sherman students yesterday on business and business planning and starting to marketing and all that and i told ta- i told this story um because it was it was that i was you know early 2008 Which right before I opened a cash practice, pediatric, principled, specializing in behavior learning, socialization challenges in North Idaho as a female chiropractor at 25 years old. Okay. There were a lot of things against me. Like even Mm. this is, this is bizarre to say, but even being a female provider in North Idaho back then was very, um, it was out. It was an, it was an outlier. Yeah. Which was blew my mind, but it was, I had, I had even some other providers who wouldn't like take, uh, meetings with me because they thought it was inappropriate. Oh my God. I was like, excuse me. What? This is only 16 <laughs> years ago. No. Yeah. yeah. North Idaho sometimes in some ways is like a little behind the times, but then it's really caught up. It's a really great place to live. <laughs> Yeah, but it's really weird to think about like the the changes that have happened. And yeah, when I, I always say I grew my entire practice by leading with the brain with my education, finding the common ground, um, that, um, That people have in the community and that other providers have, like saying, Hey, what do we agree on? What do we all know? And then leading with the neurology, leading with the brain, which is what I teach, lead with the brain, and then making the case with that, because the science, the neuroscience, it really does make the case for chiropractic as a clinical tool by you know correcting and addressing altered neurological function and then its impact and consequences on the brain. So all of that to say, I did do that same thing just in different ways right so i built my whole practice on education by leading meeting people where they were finding the common ground leading with the brain making the case but i did it because back then there wasn't social media there weren't ads i did it with literally um community lectures of which we would put flyers around town i joined every service organization in town i did every you know all of the all of the little rotary lectures and lions club and and i just cut my teeth at learning how to communicate by communicating a lot and being at everything. And, um, and then I also did a lot of just community involvement. I, I created a lot of, um, events where I would do partnerships and collaboration with other like-minded providers and do charity sponsorships. And then with that, there would be opportunities. I had these whole packages I set up to do like lunch and learns and, you know, um, educate the community with a health talk. And I didn't, I didn't do it kind of in the typical kind of old school dinner talk kind of way, but I did it, um, in my own way, but still with just getting my message out, I wrote, I wrote a weekly article in the newspaper and I advertised in the newspaper, like the newspaper, like the print newspaper for like six years, every week we had an article and, um, Hilariously, My husband is a better writer than I am. He's not a chiropractor, but he wrote them, but they were my name. So we'd go around town and they'd be like, oh, you're Dr. Amy, you write those articles. And we'd kind of like laugh, like, yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't write those. articles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they were all about, you know, meeting people where they were leading with the brain, not compromising what chiropractic is or our message. Cause you don't have to, but you also don't have to just like slam chiropractic down people's throats. You need to help them understand by meeting where they are first. And so then social media started happening. And then it was like, okay, now I'm going to, you know, I mean, not even until like maybe five years ago, did I start advertising on social media for our community lectures, but literally for every, like the entirety of my practice, I've done a monthly talk on brain development and deflected development, behavioral learning, socialization challenges once a month, somewhere in our office, at the library, at a juice bar, somewhere there's always a, a, a talk minus like a few December's and July's here. Right. And there. Once a month for 16 Once month. years. Yep. Okay. So,
0: how have you, because I'm assuming um, that you've not been dipped in gold. And so, you've had ones that have flopped.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: The amount of times
1: I've spoken to like, one person.
0: Yeah. Or oh, zero. People. I prefer zero over. Two. Oh, well, two I oh, well can no. take. I prefer zero over
1: one. I'm just yeah. like, oh God. One is awkward. Um, Like, well, awkward. should I just sit? Should I still use the PowerPoint? I've definitely done that where I've been like, okay, well, instead of doing my PowerPoint to one person, um, I'm going to talk with this person and I'm going to make my case and still hit my, what I call communication pegs in this conversation and see, all right, what is it that you came here to learn? And so that's what I've done in those cases. I've definitely had, um, many times where nobody came. I've definitely had, um, many, many times where I've had standing room only. And I got to tell you, even to this day, now our team members, our team doctors do the community lectures. Um, and I don't do them unless it's like, I'll do like special ones. Like I'll do one on reading or on, you know, kind of the more complex topics that I just really love, but I'm do more teaching to doctors now. And so, and our doctors are doing amazing. I teach our doctors in the Folks Academy to do the community lecture that I have done and perfected over all these years. And that's what our doctors do. But um, but I like to talk about some of the, maybe a little more complex topics, but the same, but still bringing people the same information. But the, the thing is, is that I got so much experience Talking like sometimes if people wouldn't sign up for the lecture or show up, I would give the lecture to my staff, you know, or I would give it to like my one CA and I would practice and I would practice saying it and I would practice my communication pegs and I would practice, you know, like my tonality and and I would just learn and so, um, you have to just be committed to to doing that through the awkwardness of it all and um some of the best lectures to this day are the ones that actually are not sand room only the ones that are like five people and you, and like all five people are like become long-term patients or are like that changed my life. And so it, I've learned to just show up and, and do it the same, you know, Mm -hmm. um, which is hard, but it is, it is important. I feel like, so pan, like we
0: did, we had Almost a monthly, but like we would kind of like change topic, but like Mm -hmm. typically we would have six to eight Mm -hmm. events a year where I was speaking one, it built great CAs because Mm -hmm. your CAs just like, they learned this product that we're selling. And then the pandemic hit and it was this awesome excuse to stop Mm -hmm. like, and and I feel like even I feel like 2020 was when social media kind of was coming out of it. It's like there was this period of time where it's like, holy cow, social media is awesome for marketing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And now I feel like, so then like there was this like, all right, community lectures, ugh, nobody wants to come and I don't really, I want a break from doing them. And so we took that break and I'm struggling to get back like our whole clinic is struggling yeah. to get back on the damn horse and yeah. even when we have it's like pulling teeth to get the community to like do anything because people are so busy holy yeah. shit like yeah. I love talking to you because you've been in practice like your experience is the same as mine is like it wasn't so hard to get people to come to Mm-mm. something before
1: Mm-mm. right so like People are super impulsive and short-sighted and stressed. This is one of the things I talk about a lot is understanding the stress neurology and how it impacts people's learning and engagement and connectedness and their reactiveness and what they say and how you have to schedule them and how you have to talk to them and what, you know, all of those things. And you nailed it. Um, You have to have choice. You have to have options. So one of the things that we did in the pandemic is like everyone else, we did it in the focus academy and we did it in our practice is you know we started doing we started playing with like different ideas of not just taking the same lecture and making it virtual we tried that and it was like at some points it was like good at some points it wasn't and so but we still we still did it because we're like we have to do something every month and I'll tell you why I think that every month is important um besides learning growing yourself and your skills and your team you're right um and having that place for people to come and get the information. It's also, it's it's about that other, you develop these relationships. It's like this funnel. It's like we have all of these funnels going for how we're getting our message out, right? And one of those things, for example, is making these collaborative partnerships and relationships with other providers in town. And that's actually a lot easier than you think to do as well. Um, and we do it kind of wrong. One, I think that historically in our profession we talk a lot about or we have this philosophy of like it's us versus them and so then we go into trying to create these relationships of like us versus them even if it's just energetic us versus them it's Mm -hmm. like we come from this place of us versus them as opposed to There's a time and a place for us and them. And there's a time and a place for us or them. And that's okay. And we don't have to make people feel like they have to, if they come to us, they have to choose to be fully in our paradigm or fully in their paradigm. There's a time and a place and most people live somewhere in between the paradigms, right? And if we want to help more people, I think it's important. We don't have to shift to that paradigm, but we do need to respect it and understand it and create an us and them environment, right? Mm -hmm. And that sets the stage for our understanding, our communication, and our energy when it comes to creating relationships and rapport with patients and also relationships and rapport with other providers so they feel safe sending people to us, even if they don't totally get what we do or don't totally, are they're not completely on board with our paradigm, it's okay. It's okay for that to be the case, right? Right. And so we we that I just think that that's an important point for us to recognize. And when particularly when you're talking about pediatrics and behavioral learning and socialization challenges and mental health challenges, it's really important to recognize that we don't want to ostracize people because they have a team, right? Because a lot of these people and these kids, they do have a team. They have tutors, they have educators, they have OTs, they have speech therapists. It does not need to be us versus them, but when we can simply communicate what it is that we do, By finding the commonality, leading with the brain, making the case for our tool as as correcting subluxation, it becomes really clear why we should be the foundation, kind of the quarterback of the team to help the whole team get better results, right? And the neuroscience backs it up. If we look at the other professions, they're looking at writing books about, publishing research about, the state of the nervous system, as opposed to this behavioralist standpoint that we've always lived in of like bad behavior, bad kid. Uh, struggling reader deficit pathology it's like wait let's look at the state of the nervous system let's look at some of the function of the nervous system let's look for clues as to where we are in development that's where primitive reflexes and eye movements and all this stuff comes in and other professions are looking at that but that is what we own mm-hmm. we just need to be able to understand it and communicate it and then we can go into these relationships with other providers finding that commonality communicating making the case and then it becomes a really natural relationship but They still have fear to refer to us. So that's where having a consistent community lecture allows them to make a really easy referral without feeling like they're on the hook for what happens after they make the referral. Mm -hmm. They say, Hey, Dr. Amy does some interesting work. I don't fully understand it, but I've seen a lot of kids get, you know, have great results with it. And I think she's, you know, doing good work over there at her clinic, whatever. And so she has this community lecture. You might want to attend it. They pass that off to the parent to then say, okay, I'm gonna go to this and she has it every month. And if you can't go to the community lecture, she has the community lecture broken down into five short videos and they can email that to you. That's the thing that brings it back around to, Yes. People have a short attention span. They do not have time. They do not want to make time. It is not in there in stress neurology. We don't see the future. Well, timing and planning, we have less top-down prefrontal cortex. We're right here, right now. Give them something right here, right now. Right. Mm-hmm. That's where we made these like short and we teach doctors to make these like short little five videos. We have them where I broke down the community lecture and these like five little lessons, and we can send that to them right now. And they can watch that and then get the information. Then they can come to a community lecture if they want, and usually they do, but it but doing that community lecture and having those other options and providing that information to, you know, how many times in, in your practices do we have like parents who will say, like, oh, I wish that my neighbor knew about this and mm-hmm. come her to come. You're like, hey, just bring her to a community lecture. And and I find, or a parent who gets adjusted and the kid doesn't, instead of being like trying to convince them, you just say, like, you know what? I have this lecture, this workshop I do about brain development. And I just find that like what we, what people tell us is that just being a parent, it really is helpful to just get this information so that they can, you know, gather some tools to be a, a more efficient parent, you know, mm-hmm. help parenting. You might, I'd love to invite you to come and you might have some aha moments through and it might lead to a conversation later.
0: And it usually does. So... The research that, you know, you kind of keep saying, you've said multiple times, like meet them at the Mm -hmm. brain. Mm -hmm. And I feel like right now, chiropractic is like, finally, you know, we're seeing some amazing research coming out, but like, how were you, like, did we have research that really said we affected the brain back then?
1: I love that question. And the reality is if we look just within our chiropractic research, no, not really, but that's where we have to, I always say we have to peek outside of what's happening in chiropractic and look at what's happening in the, what do we all know? What do we agree upon the other professions and look at, Hey, if you look at, look at research in autonomic nervous system function and autism. Look at research in autonomic nervous system dysfunction and um, behavioral challenges or learning challenges and the indicators of that first, we have to know a little more about what that means. So like, for example, I show, I share a ton of research from different, most of them are not chiropractic. Um, they're not from chiropractic institutions. It's not chiropractic mm-hmm. research, although we're starting to have more of that. And in, in folks Academy, we have a whole branch dedicated to that. We published some research this year, but We have to look outside and go, oh, we know that looking at pupil response right can be an indicator of increased sympathetic tone like how like looking at just pupillary light response like looking at you know look doing uh shining a light in the eye looking at the pupil response and saying hey how long do we see you see the constriction and then you see you see the dilation but the amount of time and the reactivity of the pupil if you see this like shaking and this blowout or this dilation before like typically like in a young kid, like three to five seconds, that's usually what in the neuro-optometric opto- field, they call an alpha omega pupil, which means sympathetic dominance. And so if we understand that there's all these different ways to look at the autonomic nervous system, and then we can look at the research that is citing these types of things, looking at pupil response, looking at heart rate variability, looking at, you know, just autonomic nervous system function and the correlation between that and Um, things like other behavioral learning and socialization challenges. There's a lot there. There's actually a lot there. And then you tie it into going, well, what do we know about subluxation? Well, we know that a subluxation, (laughs) right. What do we know? There's two, there's two components that, you know, I always say like, Hey, we don't get to say, well, every person subluxated that walks in my office and I'm just going to adjust them. I'm like, okay, sure. Maybe possibly, probably (laughs) in this world we live in, but we still have to be clinical investigators, right? Like, actually, that's the most fun part of our job, I think, because I'm a nerd. But we get to be clinical investigators and we have to make the case for ourselves first that this person is subluxated. So what is a subluxation? I say, and, and we teach in the academy of how to, I like systems and I like simplicity, like getting all the complexity and finding the simplicity. We go, there has to be a structural or movement component <clears throat> and a neurological component. So what are we doing on our exams to look for Structural, that's where we might have x-rays, posture, range of motion, tonality, all that stuff, right? muscular you know tonality is what I'm talking about there and then parts exam um, (laughs) asymmetry yeah and then yeah yeah and then like (laughs) neurological piece like maybe you do thermography maybe you do heart rate variability maybe you do the reflex app looking at pupils maybe you just use a pen light and look at pupils we teach all of these different varying you don't have to do all of them but we need to have something in those categories to say we're looking at structure and nervous system interference and so autonomic function or dysfunction or imbalance or inefficiencies and then The second part of that, this is where it ties together with how we look at the research, say, what does this mean to me? How do we bring this into practice, find the simplicity? And then we go, okay, subluxation. Now, what's going on on what we call a functional brain-based exam, right? So this is where we tie in like primitive reflexes and gross motor and fine motor and eye movements and auditory verbal, cognitive function, all of this to say, hmm, I'm seeing Altered neurological function and indicators of subluxation. I'm also seeing that this seven year old is having abnormal eye movements and they have primitive reflexes and they have trouble with uh, recall of a story that I just told them. So they're having visual cognitive deficit. Makes sense that they'd be having trouble in school. Makes sense they'd be having trouble attending to future events and therefore multi step instructions. We'll start correcting subluxation, monitoring the functional brain based exam to see changes. And all of this, when we can have all of that, there's actually a ton of research to to help us kind of put those pieces together. But we have to put the pieces together.
0: Mm-hmm. Where did you learn this? Because it wasn't school.
1: <laughs> it wasn't school. No, it wasn't school. Um gosh, that's the big question. Um well, I a lot of this came from, and I would say just so much of it came from neurooptometry. i I grew up um with a brother with challenges. And behavioral and learning challenges. And my dad was a typical optometrist, you know, lenses, 2020 vision. And he, long story short, he basically was like, What's going on with my kid? And he became specialized in his field and became a neuro optometrist, or they're they're strange, like chiropractors, they have a few different names. Most people have never heard of them. Neurooptometrist, developmental optometrist, or behavioral optometrist. Same thing. All they're doing is they're very they're kind, they're very similar to functional neurologists. They they do a lot with body movements and eye movements and vestibular function and eye movements. And they look at the eye movements and say, hey, the eyes are the only part of the brain sticking out of the head. Eye movements and abnormal eye movements tell us a lot about brain function. And this is. You know, very well known in like neural rehab and traumatic brain injuries and mm-hmm. and behavioral learning, socialization challenges in kids. and and so I grew up, you know, like some people grew up as chiropractic kids, like in the back of lectures and seminars. And I grew up in the back of lectures and seminars and as an as a neurooptometric kid, like, you know, inappropriate, love my dad, super intellectual, very inappropriately teaching me about neurology at like seven. like really weird way to grow up, but I just, it shaped my worldview. Like I, I, I just knew this. I just had this perspective going into chiropractic. And then when I went into chiropractic, I was at Sherman and I went like literally first or second quarter, the philosophy made sense to me based on my worldview and what I knew. But then I started learning the neurology and I was like, wait a minute. These people, chiropractors, need to be talking to these people, neurooptometrists. And there was also a big bridge in there with neuroeducation in my background because of how it all works with neurooptometry. And I was like, and then nutrition, I, I learned along the way and the biomed approaches and methylation, all this stuff. I started picking up all these things. And I was like, How does this stuff all go together? They need to go together. And I just went, Well, I guess I'm the one to do it. I guess that's what I'm here to do. And so um, that's what I've been doing. And I think because I um, was uh, immersed in such complex concepts at such a young age, (laughs) Mm -hmm. it shaped my neurology. And so I learned to go, what does this mean to me? And how do I find the simplicity in this? And so that's, I think my superpower is finding the simplicity in the complexity, even though I enjoy the complexity, I, I find the simplicity and make systems clinical systems. And that's what I've done. I never intended to to teach this stuff. I just wanted to do this work and develop it and help people with this work in Portland, Idaho, and then what started to happen was chiropractors, friends of mine, would be like, "Can you help my kid?" Mm-hmm. I'd be like, "I don't well, you live in Nebraska, I don't know." And so then we'd like try some stuff, and they'd come out. and We do exams, and then I'd give them, and then and then the next one, and we're like, "Oh, I, yeah, okay." And then I'd start teaching them, and then eventually it was like, okay. All right, we should probably, there are some people outside of Coeur d'Alene, Idaho that want to be principled chiropractors, but lead with the brain and know how to put these things together. And unfortunately we have a massive rise in the amount of families that need help with this. So, okay. So
0: I have two scenarios and I want to know how you handle each in clinic. So you've Mm -hmm. got scenario one where you've got a parent with brings their kid and they haven't done they're not doing anything. Like mm-hmm. they are like, what do you mean? Red dye? Like the yeah. kids coming in eating Fruit Loops. Okay. I know the type. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> not on Medicaid. Well, Maybe obviously Medicaid. in this scenario, they probably would be on Medicaid, but there's yeah. nothing. Okay. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. And how do you pick and choose? Mm-hmm. <sighs> because it's like the adjustment. Wow. Fantastic. But like, How, when do you start layering in? Do you start layering in? Like you brought up methylation of like, Hey, I'm assuming like, do you refer that out? And like, when do you start? How much? Cause like some chiropractors, they're principled chiropractic and they're like, none of that matters. The only thing that matters is the nervous system. I don't talk about
1: nutrition. I don't
0: talk about that.
1: Right. Love that. Oh, that was such a beautiful question. It's almost like like I told you to ask me that question. I didn't. But you did yeah. it though. We're just on the same page. Yeah. Girl, we we are we are friends. Yeah. Well,
0: be prepared because the second one is the parent who comes in and is doing everything. Oh yeah, I
1: love that one So, too. we'll start with um, this one. Okay, so first of all, again, I love systems. Um and I I call this the chiropractic dilemma, like a couple of oh, First of all, of knowing how to like, I love that you use the, the term layering these things in um, I call them pillars, right? We have to respect that there's different pillars to this. And I am your straightest mixer you're ever going to meet um, when it comes to chiropractic, because chiropractic has to be the foundation. And I think that absolutely, like in this dilemma, we have chiropractors who are like, yeah, but it has to be the foundation and only, and I'm like, absolutely. It has to be the foundation And we don't want to lose that. And everything needs to be founded in that. However, we have a, with our limitations of matter, and we have a massive sea of stress that we live in physical, chemical, emotional stress. And just like you would tell a patient that, you know, if they were just sitting all day and not moving their body and eating fast food every day, like you would make some suggestions there and you should probably talk to them about that. Um, that even if that's all you do is in your practice, you're like, I want to correct subluxation, but at least I want to talk about this, um, That that's fine. Or maybe you want to find a lot of depth in what we call pillar two, which is diet, biomed, you know, inflammation, nutrition, um, pillar one is chiropractic, pillar two is the nutrition, you can find as much simplicity or depth, as long as you respect, like we do all of these pillars, pillar one, chiropractic pillar, two diet, nutrition, all that pillar three, which I do a medium depth in that. And then I have partners. I know a lot of depth in that. I don't enjoy doing a lot of that in my practice. Um, So I, I need to be able to recognize, and we train doctors, be able to recognize like Um, Hey, some people are going to need a little bit beyond taking food dyes out and maybe looking at inflammation and um, food intolerances and those types of things. Um, I do like middle of the road on that pillar but sometimes like we have a PANS case, PANDAS case, like chronic strap, mold exposure, and we have to be able to recognize or see the signs that that might be going on. And that's what we teach and then have a specific partner. Like we have some telehealth partners that are focus certified so that they respect the chiropractic piece and they understand it, but they can help that family in support of that pillar. Okay. So that, and then third pillar, because this will help me answer that question to you. Third pillar um, is the, what we call brain blossom or neurodeflective retraining, which is the brain and body exercises, um, the neuro rehab piece, the eye movements, the cognitive games, that piece, and then pillar so like four.
0: rehab exercises for the
1: parent yeah. to do at home. Primitive reflexes. We do them either in the office, we have brain building stations, and then we have the brain blossom app that our focus doctors can use. And it's me going through these different tracks of the, the doctor doesn't really need to understand when do I do, do what exercise they just need to follow the system of knowing when do I add that pillar in? And then like they, you know, they work with us and that the parents just do the app at home. And it's, it's all based on these eight hierarchies of development. So, because it's not about just like going, Oh, there's a primitive reflex or there's an eye movement um, convergence issue. Let's just do pencil pushups all day long, or let's do this reflex integration exercise. It's about doing the right thing at the right time. Cause you can also create problems if you do them at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. So so that's why I'm like, I don't want to, like most doctors aren't going to want to like, I don't, and I don't really want to have doctors create this whole neurosensory gym in their office. Like some people want that. Most people don't. I want to teach chiropractors and what we do to keep the foundation of chiropractic and then find simplicity and utilizing these other things so that we're not in that chiropractic dilemma of burying our head in the sand and saying none of those things matter because they do, they do matter in reality. And then the fourth pillar is brain-based parenting and mentoring, and that's teaching and helping parents and people develop brain-based lens to understand how to create right now strategies to support parents in parenting and behavior and academics of just little like by understanding more about the brain, we can give suggestions for like, here's a thing that's going to help you right now with that big challenge you're having, which speaks to the, we have a demographic people who are very short-sighted because they're in stress and they need like right now while they're still tied into the long-term clinical solution. So that's the foundation for how we work with everybody, but there's a varying degree because you can't like throw up all that on anybody who comes in because that's too much, too Mm -hmm. much information too much stuff. So if you have the family that comes in, who's like standard American family, like they're, you know, they're not, they're not living in our paradigm yet. But they're coming to us. We say, listen, there's a reason. You know, we we meet them where they are. There's a reason for behavior. And there's strategies we teach on how to set up your office of like, so that they see that we're approaching things differently. We're creating a brain-based environment that's healthy and they feel safe in, as opposed to like most places they go, they feel judged. They feel like they're failing. They feel like it's them or their kid's bad or they're bad parents. And so we're building rapport, which is important for learning and retention, engagement, all that. And we say, listen, we know there's a reason that there's this challenge going on. So we have to, um, you know, utilize our skills to look for the underlying reason. We look for, we ask and answer two big questions. Uh, One is, um, are there indicators of altered nervous system function? Like basically is your, is your child's brain in this like ultimate fight or flight mode, or is there altered input to the brain that's altering processing and output? And then the second one is we have to look at what tools your child is using based on where they are in development or where they may have had some gaps in development that may be impacting the tools that they have to engage with, you know, learning, socialization, um, developmental process. And none of that means like you're bad. It just means we need to see where they are. Mm -hmm. Then we can determine which clinical tools in which order are the, the appropriate thing for your child. And so then we say, we always start with chiropractic and I do not start chiropractic and nutrition at the same time. Even if you're like, this is a disaster. Like I need to get this kid off, you know, making these dietary changes. If you start them at the exact same time, one, we have too many variables and two, you know, what happens. Mm -hmm. They're Mm -hmm. like, Oh, it's not the chiropractic. Thanks Mm -hmm. for making that suggestion on the diet. and, And they're gone. Mm-hmm. And they have lost them. And that's not just like a marketing thing. That's like a, oh no, they, they right. we'll only get them so far. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. And so we start the chiropractic, but we're educating on the four pillars. We're doing that in a very specific way that works with the brain and stress with visuals and all this stuff. And then we have our first re-exam where we ask and answer the two questions again. Then we layer in the nutrition on top of the chiropractic. And then we do another reexam, ask and answer the two questions again. What are the when, wait, did I miss? What are the two questions that you ask at the reexam? Two questions. One, indicators of altered neurological function, input, processing, output. That's our subluxation exam. In our subluxation exam, there's two pieces function or the structural and neurological. So I break it down into systems. Second question, but this is how I educate parents. I'm asking my job, can I help your kid? I don't know. I need to ask and answer two big questions. One, nervous system function, two, what tools is your child using based on where they are in development and/or where gaps may be in development in during their developmental process if they're an older kid or an adult? And that's where we look at this. Is what we call our functional brain-based exam. That's where we look at primitive reflexes, growth motor function, fine motor function, auditory verbal function, um, eye movements, and visual cognitive function. We have to, we have to assess that so we can see: does it make sense that this child is having? a behavior problem, a reading challenge, uh, whatever it may be. So then we ask and answer those questions. And we do that on every exam and every re-exam. So we're anchored to the concept of we ask and answer these two questions. Here's the results. Here's when we add things in and layer things in. And they know there's four pillars. Chiropractic, which is about altered input, processing, output, and autonomic function, nutrition, diet, biomed, whatever you might need to do there. Um, is pillar two. Pillar three is the brain-based exercises. Pillar four is the brain-based parenting and mentoring, which is ongoing. So we layer in the different clinical tools, different pillars, different clinical tools as warranted by what we find on the exams and re-exams. And typically it's first re-exam, we then start to layer in the nutrition. Second re-exam, we start to layer in the, we have chiropractic, we have nutrition, and now we're adding in the brain-based games and exercises depending on the a case, but that's typically how that goes. And ongoing, we're giving brain-based support and mentoring in our table talk, in private Facebook groups, or in private groups on an app or however you do that mm-hmm. in a course that you give, you know, to, we have that in Brain Blossom for our doctors. It's me giving that um, in courses, um, but it's really important. And so, so really when you have the patient, the parent who comes in, who's like, we haven't done anything. Um, that's Literally, they get that, and that's mm-hmm. where we start. And it feels like okay, it's one step at a time, but we're but we're addressing all of these things. Airway comes in there. Sometimes we have to look at airway and tongue ties. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's a big piece of it, and that can be layered in as well, very specifically. And it's pretty easy to do when we do it in a systematic way. And the other thing is when you have a, a patient that comes in that's like done all the things. Mm-hmm. Like, all done. right, hold on though.
0: Okay, because I have uh, I have many yep. questions with that. Please. Okay, so. With you said, okay, hold on. I forgot my questions. Sorry. That's all right. I I have a little bit of ADHD where I've had like 17 questions through this process. I'm like, oh my god. You just interrupt me because I'm a cocker. Yeah. (laughs) Um, okay, so let's go to the kid that is honestly
1: the biggest thing is they're on medication.
0: And like Mm
1: -hmm. this is what I say. I say, listen. And and this, this goes to that us versus them concept. Oftentimes parents feel judged already. They are that by the time that they, if they're coming into your office, they're already feeling kind of most of them, 90% of them are feeling like a little insecure that their kid is on medication because most people that's not what they want to do, particularly the type of people that are coming to you. Also, there's still okay. something. And so I just say this, I just say like, look, there's a time and a place I understand. Um, my goal is not to tell you to take your kid off medication, but my, all of our goal. And I always like to create this all, like, what do we all agree upon mm-hmm. your GP's goal, your goal, my goal, all of our goal is to improve underlying function enough to where your child would not have a need for this medication. Am I? are we on the same page with that? And that's how we, that's how we don't shame, but we acknowledge that it's like, mm, probably not where we want to be mm, probably wouldn't, you know, but I'm not shaming you. And I understand it's right. place. And then I say, so here's what we're going to do to address that underlying function to help your child have a better expression of life. I need to ask two questions, two big questions on my clinical exam to see what what's going on with your child.
0: How do you have to change your exam knowing that that nervous system is being so altered?
1: I don't change my exam, but I change my uh, interpretation. Okay. Of, the exam, of the findings, because what you can see is you can see changes or differences in, like the autonomic response, for example, in the subluxation portion. You know, in the sub, the first question is the subluxation. We're looking for subluxation. There's a structural and there's a um, neurological component. You can see cha- differences than you would expect with like heart rate variability, with thermography, with pupil response, because we're altering the autonomic nervous system, right? And so you you I just say that. I just say, you know, we do have medications on board that is the purpose of that is to to have an alteration of the function of the system. And so we're just taking this as this is where we are right now and this is our this is our starting point and we might see things change. but we're looking at this is where it's looking at the big picture and we can't just be this, uh, this is kind of a mis- a challenge I think in our profession a little bit when it comes to peds. Pediatrics is like, even doctors that are doing great at looking at like scans and like, and I love, I use the insight good friends with Dave Fletcher. Like we use that and some other things, but um, we can't be treating scans. Oftentimes, like what we'll see is that instead of understanding the big picture of why we might be seeing certain things on scans and having the functional brain-based exam to look at it all, we're, we're in this kind of place of like, I'm just looking to see changes on a scan. Mm -hmm. And that is now treating a scan. We've moved into a mechanistic approach. Mm -hmm. And then what happens and I doctors out there, I'm sorry, we've all been in this place before. And I'm sorry if you can relate to this, but it's like, you go in and you go, well, I've been, I've been, I really sold these scans and I, and I like you know, I understand that it's because it's an indicator of autonomic function and I'm going into a re-exam, and maybe the child is symptomatically doing better, but their scans look worse. Oh yeah. Or maybe their scans look better, but the child's doing worse. Mm-hmm. Why? Well, that's there's a, a lot of reasons for that that would make a ton of sense if we just include this functional brain-based exam to look at where they are in development and what the consequences are for altered autonomic function, just like if we're on medication and now let's say we're doing so much better that we're starting to have more awareness of self. This is one of the hierarchies we talk about. Now this child is having more regulation of themselves and now they're attending outside of themselves and they're actually starting to have more socialization like picking up on social cues better, having more appropriate touching and socialization. And this is a win that this child wasn't having before, but it's also stress. There's also potential stress that comes with that. And now this child who was like, yeah, they're really socially awkward, but they're so happy. Now the parents are like, yeah, they're really like kind of sad. Like they're recognizing that they don't fit in with other kids now where before they weren't sad. So we're having these wins that like they're appropriately socializing, but now they're recognizing that they aren't fitting in as well. And they're sad. And parents are like, what'd you do to my kid? And you're like, but the scans look better. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But, But the thing is, is that, If we know to prepare parents for that based on looking at these functional brain-based exams and being able to understand simply, and it really is, it really can be pretty simple once you learn the foundation of knowing like, okay, I expect that your child is going to start to have this outward awareness. And with that, since your child's 10 and didn't really go through that at like three to five when they typically do. You might notice that they have some challenges with that emotionally. And so we just want to, this is the brain-based parenting. We just want to help them through that, expect that, and support them specifically in that while we're doing this. By the way, we might see more stress on their on their nervous system uh, assessment because now they're in a state of top down stress. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty typical thing, trajectory, to predict they're having more regulation of self. They're not as hyperactive and impulsive. They're attending outside of self. And now they're having different types of feelings. And now that's a different type of stress. And now we have a scan that shows, well, the hyperact like the presentation is the hyperactivity is better, which is why they came. But now I have a kid who's kind of having some you know sadness and anxiety and their scans look worse. And the parents, if unless we know how to explain that to me and to our focus docs, it's like, that makes sense, and that's a it's a what we call a predictable stop along the way, right? As opposed to knowing is this like a true like regression? Is it a new challenge? We have to be able to differentiate that, and it's not just based on one piece. Like scans. Right. that's where the the when somebody's on medication, we have to consider all of them. Right. Okay. I remembered my questions, and they're still relevant.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So obviously, the answer here is it depends on what my exam findings are. Okay. But are you starting patients at like average behavior Mm -hmm. case, three times a week for four months? Is that what I've kind of been putting together with the pillars and the like?
1: Mm -hmm. Um, Typically, uh, two to three times a week, um, usually two times a week, maybe the first few weeks. Why usually? Usually two times a week, because that's as. As like we have to think about the stressors for the family too. Mm-hmm. And the longevity of layering these things in. Yeah. So, two times a week, beginning of the week, you know, a Monday Thursday, something like that is ideal. Um, is what I find to be ideal for about usually about six months. Until I start to see, I do the re exam, the full re exam where we're asking and answering the two questions every three months. Usually at three months, we're layering in the nutrition. Usually at six oh, so months.
0: So the first re exam isn't until like closer to three months? The full re exam. Yep. Okay. Yep.
1: Every single three months. Yep. Okay. Every three months, we do the ask and answer the two big questions re exams, typically at three months like I said, very systematic and all of our focus, they do this uh, as well. And, um, or some variation of it. And they, you know, sometimes we start people in those first three months at more frequency. And sometimes we don't, that's where it depends on the scan. It depends on how they're doing. I always care plans. Hey mom, dad, this is my clinical best guess based on a lot of experience and knowledge, but it's still my clinical best guess. So one of the, um,
0: layers of my professional career or my self-development journey, I will say is a uh, realizing how much hyper control. I have tried to push onto my patients through like, this is how I get results. So it's my way or the highway. And I just interviewed Simon Floriani.
1: Oh, mm, the man mm-hmm. is Jesus. I swear mm-hmm. to God, like, mm-hmm.
0: and you know, it was just talking about this, like meeting the patient where they're at on all these other layers. So what do you do, especially being such a specialist, like in such a, I'm doing the Idaho (laughs) scenario here, up here, um, watch on YouTube people. And you can see my (laughs) gestures. Uh,
1: What do you do when you've got someone who's like, I can do once a week. And that's it. Yeah. I mean, that absolutely does happen. And I will say, I love that you said that because girl, I'm with you there. Um, I, in the beginning of my career, I I laugh at myself. You shall I say, not pass. Yeah. I, I remember I used to say, um, listen, if you will not um, take gluten, dairy, and food dyes out of your kid's diet, you cannot be in my program. <laughs> we can <laughs> laugh about it. Because it's like, oh my gosh, that I was, was how I felt model. I needed to show up. Yep, yep. I was like, listen, because <laughs> I'm like very direct Midwestern girl, too, right? I was just like, listen. And the thing is, most of the people, you know, they're, I think they're like, we have this joke in our office like, when I was the main adjusting doctor, <laughs> people don't leave, like, my retention is like gold, like, they don't leave. The only time they leave is <laughs> when I would go on vacation. <laughs> because they'd have to like sneak away in the night. So I'd be like, my husband, and I had this joke. It's not funny, but it kind of is funny that it'd be like, we're going on vacation. Like at least there's going to be one patient. It wasn't like a lot of patients that would leave, but like one patient because they don't want to tell me like, they don't want to disappoint me. Right. And so they, they like send an email or something, (laughs) which is ridiculous. Um, So it's part of my journey as well. Um, And I was very like, if you aren't going to take them off of gluten, uh, gluten, dairy and food diet, like, what are we even doing here? You know, and I'm doing the chiropractic piece. You got to do your piece. Like we're doing this together. And, and that's just ridiculous. Um, That was early in my career. I, yes. Is it important? Yes. Do we have to meet people there? Yes. Do we have people that drive like a really far way? Yes. Can sometimes they not come twice a week? Yes. Three times a week? Yes. Do they live in massive stress to where sometimes getting their kid out of the car and into our office um, is like not going to happen. Like we have, we work with really challenging kids with really, mm-hmm. you know, big deflective and avoidance yeah. behaviors. That's why they're here. So that's where understanding the parent neurology, meaning where they are, but not compromising because that was, and I bet you can relate to this, like that yeah. was, one of the things like is like, once a week gonna right do anything like and like, so I would say and this is what I say still I'm like listen I, I give them my best recommendation and most of the time that's where we're at and sometimes it's not possible for whatever reason and we just say okay well I need to have a direct conversation like it can't be like oh the staff then just schedules them differently or it's like a casual thing here there there needs to be a like a peg, like a time, a moment in time where we look at each other in the eyes and say, I just need you to understand that this is not, you know, you hired me and this is the language I use. Like, and I do it kindly and I'm not doing it like as direct as I would have when I was like younger, but I say, you hired me to give you my best recommendation based on my expertise and my experience. This is my best recommendation. I just want to make sure we're like really clear and on the same page with that. Like, yes, now I understand that you drive from two hours away or whatever. If what we can do is this, let's give it a try. But I need to reserve the right to come back to you and have a conversation and reference this conversation and say, we're not getting, yeah, this isn't working. We need to modify something. And so, like, if you use that preframing and that language, that when they come back, like, if you need to do that, you can just reference, remember that conversation we had? you know, and then you hired me. I want to get you results. I know this work works. We have to do it. And th- we are just, this is what I think we need to do at this point. And then it's like this collaborative, we're in this together. It's, you know, as opposed to, if you don't have that direct conversation, this is something I work with our doctors a lot on. If you just kind of make the modification, but you don't have this moment in time, then the parent to, gets mad at you two, or three they, months in And it's like, well, fuck
0: you. You only came once. And I told you to come
1: more than that. That's right. And it's the same thing with like staff and keeping people on their care plans. Like if someone misses an appointment and they're like, well, I don't want to bother them or whatever. I'm like, Hey, and this is the, this is the training. I'm like, they are exchanging their time and money for our expertise. And we made an agreement with them. Mm And if we, if they're just all of a sudden coming once a week instead of twice a week and like, oh, now it's a pattern and it's not just like it happened once and we're not reminding them of that. And we're not doing our keeping what I say, keeping our side of the road clean. What happens is down the road, they think they've followed the care plan Mm -hmm. because again, they're living in stress. They're not living in our world. I know exactly what you mean. They think they think we're allowing it. That's right. We didn't keep our side of the road clean. And therefore we did not stay in congruence with staying in integrity with doing our job they hired us to do, which they're exchanging their time and money for. And so that's on us. And then they get down the road and they're like, "Eh, I don't know, I think I'm gonna, we have karate three nights a week and it's kind of hard to hear And so then they have, "Uh, my husband said it's too expensive or this or that, whatever. And so then they're like, and it doesn't work anyways. And then here's the huge issue with that. One, we don't get to help that kid because, or that family, because, potentially, because, yeah, and then they say, I tried chiropractic, Mm -hmm. it doesn't work, I'm like, you didn't try it, you You didn't didn't do what I told
0: you to do, but in their head,
1: they think they did, they did, they absolutely did, because we didn't tell them that they weren't doing it, and -hmm. that's where having one of our agreements in our office and in our culture in the academy is having direct conversations and having diff we are committed to having the difficult conversations because yeah, like, is it fun to be like, Hey, um, this is what I said I was going to do. This is what you said you were going to do. We need to come up with a, why are we not doing it? Mm -hmm. You know, nobody wants to have difficult conversations, but they're important, you know, and they don't have to be that difficult either. Like, it's just, it's just, Doing what we're hired to do, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah. Amy, you're a delight. I could,
0: I mean, we haven't I haven't diagnosed right. your Enneagram. I don't know what your husband does. we we'll like, this could just keep going. I I would make a joke about like how have we not run across paths? It's like, well, because you live in Bumfuck Idaho and yeah. I live in Bumfuck Wisconsin. Yeah, and true. apparently <laughs> and apparently we go to different, different yeah. seminars. So <laughs>
1: apparently.
0: <laughs> okay. Where can where can people get more because okay. I have like three more hours of questions, but we're going to cut it off. But where uh, can people get more? We can always bummer, do because I love
1: you too. And you I am just looking forward to, um, I, I just do listen, this, but there's actually not listeners. I just do this for friends. Great. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, you could have just asked me to have coffee. I would have done that too. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> I'm at that point and I'm sure you are too in my career where I'm like, I don't know, like, we're just, let me meet cool people and yes. do cool things with my time. And yeah. that's what I want to do. <laughs> um, okay, so let's see. Focus Academy, the Focus Academy. Um, I have a certification series. It's got an online portion of prerequisite learning beforehand. And then um, there's a live in-person seminar. We sell out every year. I only do it once a year because, mm-hmm. you know, that's what I want to do because <laughs> I am a mom and I uh, practice and all the things. And um, that is going to, we're actually, instead of in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho this year, we're doing our live training at Sherman on campus to bring it that that part of the country. And that is in March, um, March 1st and 2nd, and we are like 70% sold out already for that. And so if people are interested in joining our certification series, it really, really is about finding the simplicity with all this stuff and giving you really like, here's my systems of moving forward, like staying principled in chiropractic, but learning how to lead with that brain and really be Mm that in your community. Um, and so, um, that's that we have a lot of other courses and things I offer as well. I'm actually about to do a challenge, which is just like a four day thing in mid September, but um, our website is GoFocusacademy.com. You can find us on Facebook. I, I'm really bad at social media. Cause remember I'm old like you. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so dr Amy com or dr Amy focus. And then we have that um on Instagram as well. I'll send you the stuff. I'm literally just learning how to do Instagram because people like, I don't know if you know Stephanie Libs. If you don't, you should have her on here. Yeah. Um
0: I she- actually okay.
1: Side so note, this is how
0: either old I'm getting, how long I've been doing podcast. This is a comment on something. So Stephanie Libs, yes, I know. And I was like going down her Instagram train the other day and I was like, yeah. I should have her on the podcast. Yeah, I freaking did like a hundred episodes ago. I'm like, oh, oh okay. What should did I talk hand. to her about? And I had to look at the title is like boobies. Like we talk oh, about yeah, boobies okay. and I was like, oh, maybe I should have her back on.
1: There's not a comment her on. on her. her I didn't believe her episode was fantastic but I just, she's fantastic. She's our people. The three of us in one little Zoom meeting would be really funny. Um, She, I first heard her speak at the ICPA last year. I was at the ICPA gathering speaking and she was too. And I was like, who's this lady? And literally there's just a picture on the big, you know, screens of like her breastfeeding. And the first thing she says is like, yeah, those are my boobies. (laughs) And I was like, who is this woman? And why is she not my best friend? (laughs) but she is a focused doctor now too. And she is like, you know, pediatric and um, breastfeeding and babies and all this stuff. And she's like, why would I want to do neuro stuff? And then she, she's like a great testament to like, yeah, I took this because I was, because she liked my energy. And she yep. was like, I really don't work. I want to work with like kids with challenges. She's like, but it, she's like, I realized now that I took it, it helped me. Like it's really expanded my practice and understanding right. what I'm doing with these babies more. And so Um, anyways, I don't remember why. Oh, she told me she's like, Amy, you have to do Instagram. Instagram. I'm I'm like, no, I don't, I'm not doing it. I don't want to do it. She's like, you have to. I was like, you have to. I'm learning. You
0: have to do TikTok, but you have to do Instagram. I'm not doing
1: TikTok, but I, I, you, I've, you can watch, you can look at our Instagram and, um, you can see that I'm trying.
0: Good good you know what the days of the perfect Instagram are gone anyway so
1: well ain't nothing perfect over here <laughs> well, <we're done. laughs>
0: oh Amy thank you so much um Ew. this was really fun and yes let's get Steph let's get oh I was gonna God. say a threesome but like I, now my brain <laughs> won't think of a different word besides threesome going yeah, threesome. Um, yeah. we'll
1: do the thing anyway <laughs> yeah Thanks. we'll get the threesome going that'll be perfect that okay. that trio um trio be- there's <laughs> a good word there's a good that word. trio would be we need a couple hours and yes. um that'll be fun <laughs> awesome all right well I'll find a I'll find, Well, with our we
0: already have open schedules so I'm sure yeah, it'll be yeah. super easy
1: oh it'll be easy yeah uh-huh.
0: all right she's slayers until next week bye <laughs>